Welcome to Torah Mecha Parsha with the OU Women's Initiative. Today we are studying Parsha Va'ira. Again, we are looking at Sefer Shemot through the lens of the relationships that are built between individuals and groups throughout the Sefer. And specifically in our Parsha, I want to focus on one unique relationship, and that is the relationship between Moshe and Paro. In this week's Parsha, we are going to see the interaction between Moshe and Paro with the beginning of the Eser Mako, Moshe coming before Paro and asking him to let the Jews leave Egypt. And what's interesting to recognize if we zoom out for a moment is what must have been the background to this relationship, the background to these encounters. Let us remind ourselves that in last week's Parsha, Moshe was born into the family of Amram and Yochaved, and after three months, as he was a Jewish baby born, boy born during the time of the decree in which all Jewish baby boys must be thrown into the Nile River, after three months, Yochaved was no longer able to hide him and therefore she was forced to send him out into the Nile River. She built him a Tevat Goma, a waterproof boat, and sent him out in the reeds of the Nile River. He was then found by none other than Bat Paro, and he was nursed by his birth mother, Yochaved, and then returned to Bat Paro, and we are told that he grew up in the house of Paro. So while it is somewhat easy for us to understand that he was taken in by Bat Paro, when we pause and think about it for a moment, we realize that Paro was then Moshe's adopted grandfather, that he was not just taken into a random home with a random woman. He was brought in by none other than the daughter of Paro himself, and therefore Paro fell into this role of grandpa to Paro, to Moshe. How are we meant to understand this? How could have Paro let this happen? It's impossible that he just simply didn't know that all of a sudden there was this young boy who had been taken in by his daughter and was growing up in his palace. So I want to look at four different approaches as to how did Paro allow this to happen and what was that relationship between Moshe and Paro prior to the interactions that we see this week in Parsha Vayera. The Ha'imek Davar, the Nitziv, gives us the first approach. The Nitziv's understanding is that Moshe miraculously grew up very, very fast. It says, He grew miraculously, and therefore, once he was returned by his mother at the time of weaning to Paro's home to be raised there by Paro, he was already much taller and much more mature looking than other children that age. Therefore, Paro was under the mistaken understanding that this boy had been born prior to the time of his decree, and therefore it wasn't technically a problem. There was now a Jewish boy growing up in his home, but there was no problem that a boy had, who had been born before the decree was now in his home. So that is the first approach, that of the Nitziv. The second approach is presented by the Adaret Eliyahu, who is Rabbi Eliyahu David Rabinowitz Teomim. Adaret is an acronym for all of those names. His approach is that Paro knew that this boy had been born during the decree. However, since he had already been thrown once into the Nile River and been taken out from the Nile River, it was okay that he had been saved. The decree was that he had to be thrown into the river. It wasn't that they had to die in the river. 
And although this was a slight technicality and maybe Pyro wasn't so happy with the fact that he had been taken out of the water, the purpose was, after all, to kill these baby boys, since his daughter had clearly developed a connection to this baby and wanted to raise him, he let this one pass. Pyro clearly wasn't on that high alert that he was anxious about every single baby boy. He figured if this baby boy had managed to be saved, it probably was not a problem. The third approach is that of the al-sheikh, and that goes right along with what was stated by the Adarat Eliyahu. The al-sheikh states that Paro specifically named Moshe after the fact that he was saved from the water, to appease her father and to remind him that if this was truly the Goel, the savior of Am Yisrael, it would have been impossible for him to be saved from the water, as the Itztagninim, the stargazers, had said to Paro that the downfall of the Moshiach, of the savior of Am Yisrael, was going to be through the water. Therefore, if this was truly the savior, it would have been impossible for Paro to save him. So Paro named him Moshe to remind her father that although this boy was born during his decree, and although this boy had been thrown into the water, it was impossible that he was the Moshiach because he had been able to be saved from that water. And therefore, it was okay with Paro. Moshe was able to grow up in his home. However, the last approach is that of the Midrash and Shmos Rabbah. The Midrash points out that, first of all, there was an actual relationship between Paro and Moshe, not just simply how did he allow him to live in his home, but what that relationship was. But as we're going to see in a moment, the Shmot Rabbah also gives us insight to a slight amount of distrust that did exist within Paro's home for the time that Moshe was growing up there. These past three approaches sort of gave us the understanding that while Paro may have thought about his decree, in the end of the day, he wasn't particularly perturbed that this one baby boy had been saved. This Midrash gives us a slightly different insight. The Midrash tells us, how was it that Paro could have let him live there to begin with? And the Midrash states, Moshe was an extremely appealing baby. Everyone who saw him wanted to be near him. No one could peel themselves away from Moshe. Paro used to hold Moshe on his lap and he used to hug him and he used to kiss him. Here we are seeing a real grandfatherly relationship between Paro and Moshe. And as a cute, fun game, Moshe used to take the crown of Paro and he used to put it onto his own head. And the Midrash gives us this, um, this slight amount of foreshadowing and says he used to take off his crown and put Paro's crown onto his own head as he would do in the future. So the Midrash gives us this insight and says Paro loved this baby because everyone loved this baby. However, the Midrash pairs it right alongside the idea that this is foreshadowing to what, as to what will come. And the, this fact does not go unnoticed by Paro's advisors. His advisor said to him, This is a clear sign that Moshe in the future will try to take the crown away from you. 
Omrim Lahargo, some of his advisors said that he should kill Moshe. Mehem Omrim Lasarfo, some said that he should burn Moshe. However, Yitro, who would eventually, we know, become the future father-in-law of Moshe, he said, What are we all getting so crazy about? This boy does not have any dot. He doesn't yet have knowledge and understanding. But if you're so worried, we can give him a test. We will bring before him two pans, one that has gold within it and one that has burning coals. And if he extends his arm towards the gold, he therefore has knowledge and we should kill him because he understands what he is doing by taking the crown. And if he reaches his hands out to the fiery coals, he doesn't truly have understanding. He's simply reaching for whatever is shiniest. And we shouldn't kill him. That is unnecessary. Moshe immediately reached out his hands and went to reach for the gold. Uba Gavriel, and along came Gavriel, the angel, pushed his hand to the fiery coals. He puts his hands that are hot from the burning coals into his mouth. And his tongue becomes burned. And from that, Moshe forever has a speech impediment. So through this story, we see as opposed to the first three approaches that Paro simply brought Moshe into his home. He kind of turns a blind eye to the fact that this may have been problematic. This was what his daughter wanted and he was okay with it. We also, through those three approaches, do not quite see the relationship between Paro and Moshe, except that he allowed him to grow up in his home. And we can understand that along with that would come whatever would typically come along with growing up in someone's home. However, this final midrash with the famous story of this test of Moshe gives us insight that while Paro may have had these suspicions of Moshe, he truly had a love of Moshe. He really served as a grandfather to Moshe Rabinu. And in the end of the day, there were these suspicions, but it was more among his leadership team than it was from he himself. But why was this all necessary? As we are going to see throughout our entire study of Sefer Shemot, all of these relationships that we are going to develop come up to teach us something. Moshe could have grown up in any home. Why was it so crucial that he have grown up in the home of Paro? Why specifically make it this dramatic turn of events that Paro would go from grandpa to Moshe's greatest enemy? And the Malbim gives us insight. The Malbim tells us, This was from the divine plan of God, that Moshe should grow up in the house of the king. And there he should learn all of the wisdom of Egypt. And he should develop a strong heart like the strong ones. Because he was among the members of the palace. 
What does this statement of the Malbim mean? What first is Chachmat Mitzrayim? The language of Chachmat Mitzrayim, wisdom of Egypt, comes up in Sefer Malachim, and there it is understood to mean that it is a certain knowledge and understanding of sciences specifically, that it is an understanding of the plant kingdoms and the different types of things that grow and the different types of species that developed throughout the world. This was specifically what the Mitzrayim specialized in. So you're going to tell me that all of this, the entire plot of the beginning of Sefer Shemot, that Moshe was taken into Paro's home was so that he should be a science expert? That does not seem to make much sense. However, in the Sefer Afodbad, which is a commentary written by Rav Binyamin David Rabinowitz, composed in the, 18, um, in the 1800s, gives us insight as to why was science so important. Rabbi Rabinowitz tells us that the pride of Egypt was how much they had learned, not only in general in the area of science, but specifically from the Nile itself. Their investigations and their knowledge had all stemmed from this one central water source in which they were able to study so many different types of species, so many different types of scientific developments that were all rooted in the Nile River. Therefore, Moshe as well developed this intimate knowledge of the Nile River and all of the wisdom that they had gained from it. Therefore, when the Mitzram saw that Moshe himself had come about and brought about these terrible plagues that stemmed from the Nile, Dam, Tzvardea, Kinim, all of these plagues that affected their most basic central focus in their country, the Nile River, it was incredibly um it was incredibly terrifying to them because they knew that Moshe had been on the inside they knew that Moshe knew where they were coming from he knew that this was their pride and joy and therefore he knew exactly what would affect them most so the fact that Moshe was able to make such a great impact on them was only because they knew that he knew everything that they knew. They knew that he had been raised in their educational system. He understood what it meant to disrupt the Nile River. And this was very striking to them. Moshe's great impact was that he had been on the inside, that he had this Chachmat Mitzrayim, not only in terms of intellectually, in terms of bringing about the Makot that were most scary to them because it affected their most basic life source, but also in terms of the way they acted, the way they behaved, their general culture. Moshe knew it from the inside and therefore he was able to make the greatest impact. And lastly, why specifically not only the palace, but the house of Paro? Why this relationship of a grandfather-grandson relationship between Paro and Moshe? Because Paro's goal in life was to dehumanize himself and make himself into a deity. He wanted to raise himself above the level of humanity. And having someone who had seen Paro in his most human, in his most loving caring human state, that of a grandfather to a grandchild, was the only one that could make that great impact. That he was able to face Paro and see him as a human being and not as the deified figure that he had created for himself. So therefore, the lesson from this relationship between Moshe and Paro is that why did this relationship need to exist? Because we are 
learning from here that it is only when you are most on the inside, when you are most connected, can you make the biggest impact. Moshe could only up overturn Egypt in the way that he was able to because he had been on the inside. In life, when we want to make a change, when we want to affect something or someone else, we need to be so familiar with what it is that we are working on, so self-aware, so introspective that we are able to truly go to the root and make the change from there. Thank you for learning today with the OU Women's Initiative.